Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We have a great blessing here having Father Michael Diascanis. He's the pastor of St. Philip Neri and also St. Clement, south of Baltimore City. What a great blessing. Welcome, Father Michael. It's good to be with you today. We're around Valentine's Day, so today's program is going to be focused a little bit more on the Catholic understanding of love, and specifically about living it out in married love and relationships. But uh, you were born on the the feast day of St. Valentine, so maybe we can just start talking a little bit about what's the story of St. Valentine, and how did it become popular? Well, before seminary, that was a good day to have a birthday, because on February 14th, I got treated out, rather than having to treat someone else out on a date. (laughs) But St. Valentine, as you said, often that part is forgotten, that it is a saint's feast day. And we always like to remind people of that because it reminds us of the, the significance of the day. I often say priests don't get credit. You know, We celebrate Valentine's Day, but we don't acknowledge that he was a Catholic priest. Right. We celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but we forget he was an actual person. He was a Catholic priest. We celebrate St. Nicholas Santa Claus, but we forget that he was a Catholic priest. So a Valentine was a bishop in the 3rd century, living just north of Rome in a town of Terni, at a time that it was illegal to practice the Catholic faith publicly in the Roman Empire, still a pagan religion was practiced. So, And because of that, it also it was prohibited to have church weddings. But for Catholics, that's a problem because holy matrimony is one of the seven sacraments of the church, so you're supposed to get married in a church ceremony right. with a priest or a bishop or deacon. So it was partly through his work of preparing couples for marriage that Valentine was discovered to be a bishop, and he was imprisoned, and he was eventually executed. So he's a martyr. According to tradition, he was beheaded. Isn't there something also that he signed something from your Valentine? There's a legend of that. Is that true, or is that kind of made up? I think that's just a story. You can't prove it one way or the other. could have been true that perhaps when he was in jail, in his efforts to continue to evangelize and reach out to the Catholics of his diocese, perhaps some of his correspondence with some of the couples he was preparing for their wedding. But the reality is that it was partly through his work of the sacraments, including matrimony, that he was discovered to be a bishop. So he's a patron of love, first of all, love of Jesus. Yes. Martyrs love God more than life. And he gave his life out of love for Christ, but also out of love for his people. It was in serving the people, the Christians of that time, but also of marital love, romantic love, which is most fully embodied, of course, in marriage. So, Which is interesting because Aristotle talks about the four loves. C.S. Lewis actually has a book kind of reflecting on the four different types of loves, the, the storge love that I like this, I like that, the philia love that is more friendship, the eros love which is more romantic love and agape love. Can we, can we talk a little bit more about it? That, that we do have this popular understanding of love is love and it's all the same, but these distinctions matter. Tell me more about that. They do. I want to do one more fact about St. Valentine okay, first. Good. Yeah, sure. So he's buried in the cathedral in the Terni, just north of Rome. I was able to go there on February 14th one year, and he's buried under the main altar. And they do have a lot of weddings there. 
And on his feast day, they often have group weddings. So the day I was there, there were 10 couples <laughs> getting married. And so there is a real place where we can say there's a real relics. And his devotion spread from Italy to England. Missionaries brought the devotion to England. And then from England, the colonists brought it to the United States. And that's how we, we've come to celebrate it. But what is love? That's a big question today. Does love have a, a particular meaning? And in the tradition, as you said, there's kind of a development of love. There's 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 liking something, to like something, storge. I, I, I like the weather. I like this sport. I like this color. And that's that's a real a reality, a human reality, but it's a kind of a, a simple reality. Then there's the, the love of friendship, where you have uh, maybe a common interest with someone and you develop a friendship, where you see the goodness in the person, you enjoy their company and their presence, you see that they make you better as well. And so there's the love of friendship, which has different degrees. You have your, your BFF, your best friend forever, and then you have your casual friends who come and go. And then you have the love of Eros, the romantic attraction that men and women can develop as we mature and which can ultimately lead to the promise of marriage you propose. And then there's the love of agape, which is the love of seeing the good in another and affirming the good of another and, and choosing to serve the other, that you put the other before yourself. And these loves are linked. We hope that the love of friendship becomes not utilitarian but leads to agape, where you say, I, I, I will the good for my friend, and I want to serve my friend. And we hope that the love of Eros, that romantic attraction, leads to the promise of marriage and develops into agape, where you say, on the wedding day, that feeling becomes a promise. So ultimately, love becomes a choice. I choose to serve you until death do us part. The beautiful reality is that the other person chooses to serve you as well. So we hope that it stays mutual. But we know it doesn't always. Certainly not every day. Some days one loves more than the other. Some days one is more lovable than the other. So that sense of agape, putting the other first, that's the goal of of God's intention for us. That's kind of our, our human vocation. I think it's interesting also that Eros love is very fickle. And it could be based on a feeling at this time or that way, but love is ultimately a choice. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the the second segment. Uh, The other question that's unique to C.S. Lewis is he valued and had the gift of good friendship with others. We think about those he would meet with regularly at at the the local pub regularly, and they would discuss things. Obviously, they had a common interest in literature, and and they would kind of share kind of the deeper aspects of that. But I think we've also sometimes in... Uh, it's it's said that in modern culture they conflate eros with every kind of love versus sometimes that sense of filial love even men with men women with women there's a, a proper sense of true friendship love jonathan's love for david that doesn't have to be sexual it can just have that sense of true and abiding friendship love and then even that can grow in laying down your life for another one in a in a beautiful way Let's, i think in many ways we're losing friendship Right. We, are, we can have deep friendships. Two men can have deep friendship. Two women can have deep friendship. But we say once you sexualize it, you just ruin the friendship. Right. right? That the sexual love is the love of Eros, which is, is meant for the, the commitment of marriage. And between a man and a woman, which is rooted in nature and revealed by God. As you remember that the whole mystery of love, beautiful gift of our gospel, is God reveals love in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Well, in John's first letter, 1 John, John says God is love. That, In a sense, that word defines God. God exists to go out of himself, 
And Jesus is God who came to earth, to, who revealed it to us, who, who showed it. He lived it out. In fact, he, he gave his life for us. The one who made us died for us. And that's the mystery of Jesus, God who came among us. So, And then in John's gospel, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, that this is love. Love is to, to die to yourself for the good of others. God commands that for us. He calls us to it, but he also did it for us. And he helps us to do it. That's, that's the, the sense of the spiritual life is receiving the grace to love well, to love as God with the help of God. Right, And the fact that grace builds on nature, in other words, love isn't just magic or just something that you just pull out deep within. It's lived out with God's help and God's grace. We, we, no one can do it on their own, but God helps us to learn to give of ourselves, to lay down our life for others in these very concrete and small ways. But that's how, that's how we grow in virtue. We say that love begins with a feeling but it should end in a choice. The attraction of friendship or the attraction of Eros, but it should end in a choice. I choose to serve you. I put you before myself. That's love. Right. And it has to be rechosen every day. Every day. And that is the mystery. Pope Benedict, some recent years ago, wrote an encyclical called Deus Caritas, asked God is love. Can you speak to any insights or anything that stands out to you from that? So God is love, but then he spoke about how God loves us. Um, Jesus said, I call you my friends, philios, right? God came to earth and all of a sudden was approachable and knowable and relatable. Pope Benedict said, in fact, God, though, goes beyond friendship. God has arrows for us, which is kind of a startling image or a surprising image, but that God wants us. He doesn't need us. He's the creator with the creature, but he created us in such a way that we could relate back to him. We're the only creature that could actually love him in return, and he desires our love. It says in Scripture that the bridegroom has come to marry us, that somehow God wants to marry us. He wants to there be a commitment of life between us and he and he and us. And that was revealed through Jesus, but also Jesus did it. And there's a lot of Christian or saints that reflect on that in light of the Song of Songs of this pursuing love and God who, who longs for us and desires us. Mother Teresa's great insight from the cross was when Jesus cried out, I thirst was I thirst for your love. And the one who needs nothing the desires. And we have that in the Catholic tradition of those who give up human love, the love of marriage, in the celibate vocation to give their heart more fully to God through celibate sisters, priests, brothers, that somehow God's love can be experienced in this life. We say that the fullness of that is in the Holy Eucharist, that we actually consume God. This intimate exchange, God is in us and we are in him, not just in our thoughts, but actually in a tangible way through the sacrament of Holy Communion. Which brings the, the whole uh, beautiful life. A celibate life is not a loveless life. It's a life that's willing to give itself away to Christ and on behalf of others. And so how do we talk about Holy Communion when talking about St. Valentine? But again, it takes it back that he was a priest. Right. <laughs> We're going to take a break, but it is around Valentine's Day and we have more to talk about. So we'll be right back. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to The Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. 
Read it today, in print and online, at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. We are blessed to have Father Michael Diascanis. He's the pastor of St. Philip Neri and also St. Clement Church south of Baltimore City. Welcome back, Father Michael. Thank you. What a great blessing. It's around Valentine's Day, so we're talking about God's understanding of, of Saint love. Valentine. Saint, Saint Valentine. Saint Valentine. Saint Valentine. Especially as Catholics, we do need to hold up that this is a real person. He was a bishop. He was a priest. And hear this great witness of his sacrificial love. But we're talking a little bit more about this call of two people, a man and a woman, drawn in. Can, Father Michael, can you speak a little bit more about marriage as a vocation, a calling from God? Yes, I think this is something that's perhaps neglected today, this understanding. We say there's a vocation crisis in the church. And you say, yes, marriage is in crisis. In a certain sense, there's such a lack of understanding. So many we know of marriages end in separation, very sadly. We know family members, friends, parishioners who are in that situation. We know marriage is being redefined in some states. It's kind of up for grabs. I think it was you, Father Brian, who said if, if marriage can mean anything, then it means nothing. If it's open for a vote and has no essential meaning, it really doesn't have a meaning. But we know that it does. And as Catholics, we fight to preserve that meaning, that marriage pre-exists all of us. I didn't make up the definition. The, the governor of Maryland didn't make it up. The Pope didn't make it up. It pre-exists all of us. Marriage has a meaning in and of itself. And so to rediscover that, marriage is a vocation in the sense of a, a promise of your life. That God created us as humans to serve, to love, and to love those around us with whom we interact each day, to love our family members, but also at a certain moment of life to make a choice to love. That I will bind myself to love a certain person or group of people until I die. That's a vocation. And that's the mystery of the complementarity of men and women, that there's a uniqueness that it was God-designed, it's rooted in nature and revealed by God, and these are just timeless truths that we continue to proclaim. And how do you meet that one person? There's 7 billion people on planet Earth. Right. That means 3.5 billion men and 3.5 billion women. That's a big pool if you're looking to date. So there's something mysterious about marriage. How do you meet that one person? Is it God providing that one person out of that 3.5 billion uh, in a certain sense, you could marry any one of those 3.5 billion because we're all lovable. And yet we do meet one and we do fall in love. That eros that we talked about earlier, the attraction, where does it come from? Why this person and not another? That's mysterious. 
I think it's, it's interesting because there can be how many people have we heard stories of a sense of maybe providential meeting or were drawn at a certain time or, or something happened. And yet other times it came many years later after knowing someone and it wasn't so mysteriously or how it's done dramatic. in dramatic as and it's in seen some in cultures movies. they arrange marriages yeah and they tend to sometimes be more successful than those who base it solely upon a romantic attraction so there is something romantic there's something spiritual and there's also something very practical god says love your neighbor as yourself pick someone and love them right and sometimes you meet that person mysteriously other times it's kind of you're there and i'm here you're attractive i'm attractive i'm not married you're not married let's get married <laughs> As a vocation director, I used to say if you're 40 years old and you haven't found your vocation, but you've been looking for it and praying for it, at a certain point, just pick someone and love them. And that sense of a commitment where, obviously, there should be some sense of attraction and to grow in that friendship love as well, obviously. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the three promises of marriage and how that helps us understand that, that commitment and rediscovering it again? As we said, there's confusion as to what marriage is today. It's a type of friendship but it's particular. It has three unique aspects. It's a permanent friendship. You promise until you die. You don't usually do that with the person sitting next to you in school or your teammate or your next door neighbor. Permanent. Secondly, it's exclusive. I will love you in a way I don't love anyone else. And third, through this love of a, a man and a woman in the promise of marriage, we will be intimate with each other sexually and we will be open to the possibility of children, of procreating children. Um, hopefully we don't do that with other friends. So this is what makes it a marriage. The friendship becomes a marriage when it is a man and a woman who make a promise of permanence, exclusiveness, and that openness to procreating children. If one of those three elements is missing, it's not marriage. It might be a friendship, but it's not marriage. And this is the truth that Catholics understand. It's a natural truth, but Jesus confirmed it. And this is our contribution to the world today, to help them re discover and understand the nature of marriage. Now, when people are considering to get together, there's a lot more people that are even not getting married later. And sometimes there's a lot of fears, obviously, because of the brokenness in marriage. How would you address the reality that marriage is risky in the sense of it is a step of faith and needs God's grace? How, how would you speak to that? I think, yes, love involves risk. Because in love, you put yourself out and make yourself vulnerable to another. You say, will you love me? I love you. They might say no. And that hurts. You may begin a relationship and they break it off and you have a broken heart. There's a certain truth to that. There's a reality. But it's better to love and then experience the sadness of separation than never to have loved at all. To be, to be afraid of love, to be afraid of the hurt that comes in human interactions, uh, and to be closed in on yourself which leads to, does not lead to joy, right? It's through service of others that we find happiness, which is not what we would expect. Right. It's not obvious, but experience shows it to be true. And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, he said more than that, love one another as I have loved you, die for each other. And in that, you will find happiness. Yeah. Uh, and marriage, I think married couples experience that. They enter in bliss and romantic feelings and eros and attraction. But then they start transitioning into the practical day-to-day living out of married love, of putting the other first, of saying no to themselves, and they find satisfaction in that. I think one of the challenges is, obviously, in in married love, there's a, a boundness. There's a famous quote that says, love is not blind, it's bound. 
And if it's bound, it's certainly not blind. That, that sense that obviously when you're bound together, you see everyone, each other's imperfections and it's difficult, but that's with everyone. And then there's that personal responsibility that how am I growing in grace and virtue? Because I have a responsibility to grow in selflessness and, and, and living that out is not easy and loving people who are, you know, just in imperfections. And yeah, that is a challenge. And some people are afraid to make the jump and saying, I don't know if I can ever this, I'm not sure if this person is perfect enough. I know a number of young adults, you know, I'm not sure if, if they're the one and maybe if I just find the other person and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's based on some really idealistic view of, of married love. Can you speak to that? Of that person that doesn't exist, that fictional person, that perfect person. Right. I sometimes give a talk on marriage titled, Surprise, You Married a Sinner. <laughs> Every <laughs> one of great. us sins. And so right. that means in marriage, you're going to be disappointed in your spouse. Your spouse is going to be rude to you sometimes, inconsiderate, mean. They're going to sin. They're going to hurt you, and you're going to do likewise. Um, but through marriage, you'll grow in generosity. Marriage is the vehicle by which we become generous. We're not that generous when we get married. We're usually quite young. We don't even know ourselves, and we haven't faced the tensions and stresses of life. But it's better to go through those tensions and stresses with someone else than alone. And that's, in fact, God's plan, that everyone on earth, in a sense, is assigned to another person, whom you choose. But once you choose, you're assigned till death do you part. Because God knows it makes us better. It stretches our heart. We have to share. We have to consider. It's difficult, but it makes us better people. There is a fear of it, though, and there's a fear uh, of being hurt. There's a fear that it might not work because to promise it, someone said, I think you said earlier that it takes two to get married but one to separate. So some are afraid of that. Fear of the commitment. If I promise to the one person, that means I can't marry others. If I, if I go in this direction, that precludes other directions. But a friend of ours who entered seminary said, yes, but you know what? One mission in life is better than a thousand possibilities. Right. Pick a mission, pick a person, commit yourself to it. You're not truly living until you invest in a project and a mission. What would you say to that person who had an experience of separation or even divorce? What, what kind of, I know this is just a very brief <laughs> words, but what, what advice would you give for them? Uh, that's many of us in society today, again, family members, friends, parishioners who have experienced the difficulty of separation. And we encourage them, I certainly encourage them in my parish to come talk to me. Talk to your priest just about the situation. What is the kind of the status of your marriage? Uh, where does that leave you with the church? There's a lot of misconceptions that people have. So I just encourage you to start a conversation with your priest. Also, what do I do now? Right. How do I serve God? How do I serve others when my principal vocation is no longer in front of me? We recognize that, in a sense, we are still married. We are still spiritually bound to the person, even though we may not be living together. So, Father, let's have a conversation about where I proceed from here and also what is the status of my marriage. And even that you're not abandoned by God, you're also not abandoned by the church. Obviously, there's a whole other discussion that can even go to the question of whether it's annulments or otherwise. But last thing, just to wrap up, what word and advice do you have for married couples for sustaining a marriage all the days of their life, as they promise? I'd like to quote St. Paul, his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love 
never ends. I find it interesting, this beautiful passage is often chosen for marriage. Love endures all things and bears all things. Those aren't very positive expressions, (laughs) but it's the reality. There will be days of, of happiness and days of struggle, but love is a commitment, a promise to serve. It's God's plan for our life. It's what ultimately brings us fulfillment and happiness. And one of the great graces as Catholics is that believe that it's the Eucharist that sustains married love because it's the priest and Jesus says the words to the priest, this is my body given up for you. It holds the the message of and and the gift of sacrificial love and the grace of God to live out the love all the days of their life through the good times and bad and sickness and health. Well, what a great blessing. Father Michael Diascanis here with us on Catholic Radio. Many blessings to you. I thank you for joining us. May God bless you. I'm Father Brian Nolan. Happy St. Valentine's Day. God bless you. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.